When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Betches Media presents... I would like to speak to America's men for one minute. That slacker barista. I start getting full of emotion. Now we're going to build this new bridge here. Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. No, I can't. Betches Up Podcast. Like, how are people surviving? Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Millie Tamaris. And this is finally the Betches Up Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics. In U.S. news and politics, we are back. We took a bit of a break. It was so nice. Thank you so much for being patient with us. It was, it was so uh, nice. It felt good. It felt like it stretched. My voice recovered slightly. Mm-hmm. It was excellent. And there was news mm-hmm. to discuss, but we resisted. Yes. No. We, and yet we resisted. <laughs> Nevertheless. <laughs> Nevertheless. We resisted. We resisted. I honestly... Um, I, I mentioned this, I'm sure, in our previous episode, but I didn't travel for this holiday, and it was the most relaxing holidays. I've, I feel rejuvenated going into this year in a way that I have not in a really, really long time because I truly wow. yeah. did not a damn, not a goddamn thing, and it was amazing. Well, you, to be fair, you spent all the damn year yeah, traveling, true. so... To not go somewhere for one yeah, month. Yeah, I mean, literally, I had just... Was huge I, for you. First of all, yeah, I had just been in L.A. for so long, but there was something I really needed this year to be a, like, I stay in my apartment and just, absolutely like, chill year. And, um, you know, sometimes you can feel like, oh, is it going to be depressing to be, like, just to just stay home and not go see people for the holidays. It was the least depressing decision I've ever made. It was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> and you had just spent a lot of time with your no. parents, right? Yeah. And I'm going that's, back that's out to LA next it, month yeah. and I'm going to see them again. So we saw Danny's family over the summer. It was That's perfect. perfect. When you like have like, you don't have like the full guilt of like skipping a visit. Exactly. But, like you feel like you get, you get one off. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's perfect. Millie, beach, Dude, beach. Um, New York in the holidays. Which, oh yeah, beach. Well, um, before people hey, c- listen, before people hit me with the all these broke comedians have rich family, rich houses accusation. Mm-hmm. My mom is a hairdresser, and one of the things that I my whole life was uh, experienced and doing, I think it's really cool, is that my mom does a lot of people's hair for free mm-hmm. to barter things. And one of, and one of those things is we get to go on a lot of really cool vacations. Uh, so someone's one of my mom's clients has this fucking sick ass mm. condo on Daytona Beach, and we got to and she she was like, "You guys could stay there for free. All you have to do is pay the cleaning lady." I didn't stay there. I still had to get a hotel because it was not pet friendly. Mm-hmm. Sad, sad, sad. But it was really cool for my family to like all have like a big house to conquer. A nice condo, and the the condos there were like almost a million dollars, and like Daytona was such a such a weird place, and it was really cold. First of all, even though it was Florida, uh, you know Daytona's three hours away from me, but I will say it. I don't know if you saw some of my Instagram stories. There was there was a lot of fucked up like debris from Hurricane Mm -hmm. Ian, like. There were like uprooted pools. There was like rubble. And even it was really freaky because we're like beachfront condo. And in the morning, the tide was so high that the water, you can't walk on the beach because the beach is covered in rubble. But then by the end of the day, the tide goes so far back that it's like you're walking for like 40, 50, like all 100 yards. And there's still the, the beach is back. So I'm like, damn, if the tide is so extreme just on a regular day, 
I can't imagine. Um, so anyway, that's my, my holiday. Spent a lot of time with my family, a lot of time with my nieces and nephews. They all met my dog. If you want to see a cute dog story, go on t- my TikTok. Thank you, Elise, for commenting on that. I'm always on your pages. I did a really cute. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Listen, let me tell you something about the betches. Everyone's going to have engagement. We're all going to engage on each other's posts. And that's what I like it's, about it. It's an unspoken rule. Anyway, Sometimes when I realize it's like I'm not actually – it's like I'm ignoring a work responsibility when I'm not doing it. Like, it's just part of the ecosystem. You simply <laughs> must. And it happens immediately. Like, as soon as somebody starts their second day, their post, yeah. their comments, it's all betches. It's all betches. Mm-hmm. It's all betches. If betches are going to do one thing, engage. they're going to engage with your post. Absolutely. They're going to engage with they're your gonna post. They're going to engage. I will say, transition to your thing, because my family's used to having a lot of kids around. But it was just a first holiday where we had to adjust mm-hmm. with dogs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And unlike Amanda's family, which there were famously <laughs> eleven dogs. That's unbelievable. And I watch and I, I watched every every It fucking sounds like a hoarding situation, but when you're used to it, it's just like everybody has their lanes and it's it's fine. But it is, it is still it is still an adjustment because like my dog is not as my dog barks and he doesn't shut the fuck up when you ask him to. We've never been able to communicate that to him. My parents' dogs, they bark, but they they bark at everything. But you tell them, be quiet, like instantly. They're like, fine, cool. But it just took me a couple of days to figure that out. And if they get Morty going, he does not, he does not stop and I get overstimulated. So it's like it's you feel, you feel the presence. You feel the presence of oh. the dogs. Yeah, sure. You feel the presence of eleven dogs. Well, <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, to be fair, also your family has eleven or no, they don't have eleven. My dogs. parents they have, have six now. Now seven. They have like a part-time one too. Okay, but you got your parents own a huge. Yeah, the ass dogs farm. have like plenty of room. They have like plenty of room to themselves. They're not it's in not an apartment. Like a, yes, <laughs> yes, they're yes. not in an apartment. And you they know? all so would I'm be saying, in yeah, much so. worse conditions if they weren't there. <laughs> well, so yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like. It's a lot. I, I could see the overstimulation. No, there's a reason why I, I only have one, and he's very happy being an only child who does turn six today. I did make him. Oh, happy birthday, Morty! Happy birthday, know, six, Morty! This is a tough one to get to. He's he's thrilled. He's he. The one time we left him when we went away, we left him in this like um this like collapsible crate, and he got so anxious that we got back, and he had rubbed off his like a big bit of his nose skin. So we're working on fixing that. I of course oh don't God. want it to scar. That's my number one. His beautiful face, his moneymaker. Precisely. <laughs> you left him alone for we a few hours? We leave him alone all the time and he has no separation anxiety, but I just thought he might be, he might feel more chill in a chaotic environment if we like put him in a crate. And normally he's fine with his like wire crate, oh. but I think something about this one, it was cloth and he just was like trying to like rub on it to like get out or something. And, uh, so he's going to yeah. make us, he's going to make us pay for that. But it sounds like we're all feeling fairly refreshed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. It sounds like mm-hmm. we were ultimately the three of us spared any nightmare travel stories, but I do want to hold a moment of observance Oof. for those because if you did, I think it is your right as an American to tell that story on the internet. Millie, did you have any issues coming from Florida? I um I had it was delayed. My flight was delayed. I would say relative to yeah. what was going on. It was not, you know, like my flight didn't get canceled or whatever. It did get pushed back like almost by an hour, but they emailed, they texted us before. So, okay, whatever. Uh, And then taxiing, when we got to the airport, taxiing took, (laughs) taxiing took a nightmare, like like an hour to get to the gate. That is the worst. This is what fucked up. That whatever. So I had to take Tino out of the, his little bag and put him on my lap. But this is the this is the crazy thing. But again, like relative, like I'm not gonna post about it because whatever. But you know how when you get your bags, I'm a check bag girly. I realize that's not everyone's ministry. I love a check bag. I'm plus size. I have curly hair. I have to have all my shit with me. And when Tino came with me, I had two check bags. Guys, you know how there's a lot of empty baggage claim carousels. Tell me why. I, when we got off our flight, everyone's in the check bag. Bags from our flight were going on baggage claim seven and eight. So everyone was having no, to look that's at both. A nightmare. And like half of them. And like everyone's so again, relative to like having to rent a car and drive 20 hours, 
nothing, right? Like whatever. I still got home, you know, whatever. But chaos. compared to a normal travel day, still chaos. And it was down there. It wasn't even like I think I saw Southwest. somebody say this somewhere, but like travel used to be like a privilege and you used to like get kind of dressed up for it. This was obviously like a long time ago. And now it's just the most – I mean like I will call out the Raleigh-Durham Airport. I had the the most – the unnecessary series of hostile interactions <laughs> ever. Like everybody was furious at me for no reason. And I kept like – Mike's always like, don't do anything. And I'm like, but this is, I, they're, this is, I can't even understand them. They're just being mean. And he's like, it's the day after, it's because it's the day after Christmas. They, they don't want to be here. It's just nobody, nobody wants to be there. We also got, we got lucky, but I just can't imagine being stranded somewhere with your young children, with your pets. Like, I oh would not God. deal well with that. And like, then also no. having to get looped no. into the, nightmare bureaucracy of calling an airline and trying to get them to give you what you are like legally actually entitled to it's i've been i've been dealing with a lot of bureaucracies lately and it is the most like on on par with how demoralizing it is to just take an airplane these days (laughs) trying to call through Mm -hmm. these customer service places it makes you feel like you're going insane Oh, yeah. Guess what? Betcha sub, pro-feminism, anti-bureaucracy. Well, and let me tell you, as an urban planning, yeah, (laughs) we hate papers, we hate systems, we hate them all. Um, As an urban planning girly, learning through the chaos of Southwest, learning that Southwest like ended because we you know, there's always that little thing of like any flight under three hours is a Mm -hmm, policy mm -hmm. failure. But it really is like it really is because the airplane lobby, like they really fought against a lot of high speed travel. Instead of investing into systems, they fucking use it to buy stock back, like stock buybacks, and then like we're all paying for. It. So it's just like something needs to give. It really shows you. It's like yeah, capitalism like. It doesn't work. It can collapse when you pursue things. And there's lots of good explainers from aviation experts about how their systems just are not efficient and how this was always going to happen in a storm like yeah. this to them. And I think what Millie's getting at is that like Southwest specifically has fought against there mm-hmm. being a better train system within Texas, which if you think about it, like Texas is an enormous state that actually could and a Crazy. flat state. So like it could actually benefit from high speed rail immensely but instead people like texans have to fly from one part of texas to another which is i mean hugely wasteful in all these different ways and then also like the entire southwest is apparently running off a system from like the 1990s they don't have to innovate because they don't have any competition in the area it's it is all comes back to capitalism right it is comebacks and, and transportation. And when you go to an airport, like flying should not be the easiest way because like going to an airport, you're going to the edge of a city to the edge of a city, as opposed to being in a train station, you're going from the center of a city to the center of a city. And like, just imagine if you can take a train from Austin to Houston in yep. 20 minutes or whatever, you know, anyway, fucked up. So, you know, sometimes in Nate, it, we need these big tragedies. To, to really get some conversations yeah. going. And, and people some need like happen. an extreme personal inconvenience to realize like, you know, Ticketmaster situation. <sighs> just like uh, just like our, our best friend, best friend of the pod, Megan McCain, who <laughs> didn't understand the importance of maternity or paternity leave until finally uh-huh. she had a kid. Uh-huh. Maybe people will finally get it. We all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Healthier hair and skin, yes, but beyond that too. Since I started using pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great, it looks fancy on the shelf, and I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're a certified B 
Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash feverdream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash feverdream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash feverdream. All right, before we get into the unbelievably humorous news stories that we have missed over the past several weeks, we will discuss briefly that Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin is still in critical condition after suffering a cardiac arrest during a game against the Cincinnati Bengals. This happened last night during Monday Night Football, and um, that's the time when a whole shitload of people are watching football and watched that that happen. I mean, it seems like he just got hit really hard. Like my impression is, he gets he got hit so hard on the chest that it, his heart stopped for a second. So he this uh, Danny was watching the game last night, and it was actually he was it was really crazy. The entire situation was really scary. Um, but he was actually the tackler, okay. so he tackled this guy. Um, but I guess used his chest, and apparently there's. I mean, if you run at full force into someone and you get hit in the chest at the right time, you it can cause a cardiac event. But it was scary. I was in the other room. I didn't actually see it. But Danny basically like screamed and what told me to run in. And then wow. we started watching the coverage at that point. And it was really, really intense. At first, it seemed like they were going to make them still play the game, which was really crazy. They did like yeah. a five minute break and then. I don't know. The vibe that I got from watching it was that the coaches and the players were kind of like, no, we're yeah. not doing that. Because the players were, I mean, he was, they administered CPR on him for nine minutes and the players were fully sobbing. It was really crazy. It was really sad. Apparently his mom was there. It's like, it's wild that there was even a thought that they might play. Yeah, absolutely. But like NFL they had, they had ads to run. Yeah. Fuck about his players. They had ads to run. Um, these people are evil. They don't val like they don't value the lives of their players, especially the black ones. He's twenty four. Um, like and he's twenty four years old. Twenty four years old. These these guys like by the time they're forty, their bodies and their minds are so fucked up, and. Especially to get to a professional NFL level, even, you know, even if you're not even the best player to even get in the NFL, you've had to play so much football and football just and especially to be a tackler, like you've had to take so sustain so much injuries and and pain. Like, it's just like. When is I think this all the time. Like, I mean, I know that, like that people are fans of footballs and listeners are fans of football, but I do think it could be one of those things where it's like people have said this. It's like a gladiator thing. Like in seventy-five years, we're going to be like, oh my god, you, 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 like grandma, you just watched people beat the shit out of each other. Like I don't want to sound callous because I do understand this is a very rare thing that yeah. happens in football, and he's a twenty-four-year-old man that very well could still die. But <sighs> I was just sort of like, of of course this this happens, right? Like. It seems just like incredibly lucky that it doesn't happen more frequently. Maybe there's something about that particular tackle that uh, that is actually like rare and um, like just unfortunately serendipitous that it caused his heart to do whatever it did. But I also wonder if like had he died on that field last night, if the conversation about football would be different moving forward. Maybe not, but I yeah, it's like what is it? What is it going to take? It was disturbing, regardless. I mean, obviously, like. Mm-hmm. My hope is that he recovers from this injury and like whatever road he has after that is a good one for him. But it was regardless, honestly, regardless, what it was, was so really disturbing about disturbing. it, just like the the stillness of it or people not knowing what was going um, on or that he wasn't getting up because you were like really shaken and everyone that watched it was obviously I, I just didn't happen to catch it. My husband was extremely disturbed by it and he was a football player. So I think he was, he recognized immediately that something really, really bad was happening in a way that I kind of, I, I'm like you, I, I didn't realize how unusual the fact that he was down for so long that they're cutting away, like that the, that an ambulance came onto the field, that all of that stuff is not normal. That does not happen with injuries 
So Danny was pretty disturbed immediately. For me, the thing that really struck me was like you could see that the players were completely devastated by what was going on and that the players were scared. And that freaked me out because I was like, okay, these guys play this game. They know what it should be happening Mm -hmm. and they look completely devastated by what's going on right now. And yeah, I mean, I just really hope he's okay. But either way, like a conversation about football has been needed and should happen. But like you said, if that is kind of rare, then I wonder if, yeah, like you said, the players saw that and were like, oh God, like maybe they didn't know how close they were to like your heart fluttering in the wrong way and that potentially ending your life. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there is a lot of conversation about CTE and these injuries that damage these men's lives away from the public eye, like after they're done in the spotlight. And like, again, that leads them to really violent domestic, you know, domestic violence and all this other stuff, you know, but to see it live, like in yeah. that way, like to see the effects of this game live like that, I'm sure is an impact. And like, even if, I mean, I, you know, maybe in 75 years, like the conversations will be different, but at the same time, it's like, there have been conversations about Mm -hmm. the gear, like that it's not protecting them enough, you know, and the helmets are too thin and all that stuff. And it's like, um, you know, I just think about what, what football players wear compared to what hockey players wear and all that, you know, it's just like completely different. So it's really just and then again like there is this whole race aspect to it of like when the players are mostly black but everyone who's benefiting in it are all white you know like what what is their obligation or like yeah they they don't feel that Mm -hmm. impotence to change yeah and they really you know told on themselves if they were willing to resume the game after something like that Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are four dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. For the rest of the show, we're going to welcome 2023, the only way that we can, with an extended game of Fuck, Mary and Banish. Today's <laughs> contenders are George Santos, Andrew mm-hmm. Tate, and Kevin McCarthy. We will start with George Santos. Finally, finally, over the holiday weeks, this this scandal, of course, proceeded when we took a break. But at that point, we knew that he had lied. Uh, there were multiple outlets that had exposed lots of information confirming that this biography of his was not accurate, that there was document- documentation to prove he had not attended the institutions he claimed he had or didn't have the background that he had. But over the holiday weeks, George Santos admitted to lying about essentially his entire biography. But he wrote off many of these pathological lies as poor choices of words. So let's go through this list, shall we? I think a real underrated one is probably the Jewish one, wouldn't you say? <laughs> Santos <laughs> said mean, that he uh, he I didn't mean lying about being straight and gay. I don't know. That's yeah, that one. That one I'm, is still a gray area for me. But the big headline one was that uh, he said he didn't mean to identify as strongly with the historic persecution of Jewish people as he had. He said that he had a grandmother in the Holocaust. He said that he was actually just referring to himself as Jew-ish, which is a farce. Uh, this didn't mm-hmm. stop him, though, from raising half a million dollars for animal welfare under a fake Jewish last name. Yes. Another one, he claimed to own 13 properties. He owns zero properties. <laughs> I mean, relatable. Uh, but he lives with his sister. He has also – there was a – Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this one, but also he's married to a yeah. – I think he's married. So, like, do they both live with his sister? Well, 
I don't know. Um, first of all, we have to applaud George Santos because in an era where anti-Semitism has reached a rise, for someone to say, I not only love Jewish people, I'm going to say yeah. I'm Jewish. Well, it's also important to note his grandmother yeah. was not in the Holocaust and he has no ties no. to the Holocaust in his family. No, which no, is, no, absolutely not. Or was his mom in 9-11? No, no, no. He also did say that his mom was in 9-11 um, and she was not. Well, you know, and it was in a way of like, when did he say that, though? Because sometimes in college, your grandma dies every mm-hmm. week. Right. You know what I'm saying? Was it one of those situations where he had to get out? Potentially. Potentially he um, had a he, but a, but finally, <laughs> finally, these lies have uh, caught up with them. Not only does he not own 13 properties, but there was like a bizarre period of time where he was like tweeting um, about how in 2021 about how uh, hard it is when tenants don't pay you don't pay you rent. But this was happening while he himself was being evicted from an apartment in Queens three separate times. He also didn't go to- Oh my listen, God. Listen, it's a hard knock life. It is rough out there. But just like you okay. can't lie. You can't lie. Max Frost, the, the new Gen so Z guy funny. is out here saying, "I my credit's too bad to get an apartment. That's fine. He still got elected. And he's getting roasted yeah, on yeah. Fox News. They're roasting that poor kid on Fox News for saying he's too broke to have- and then this is like, this is like next level. Like we're we've all kind of gotten used. They did I have don't know. Tulsi I'm kind of, roast I'm kind of him living for roast it. George Santos a bit on Fox News. <laughs> not not enough. enough. Tulsi fucker. But it. I think 2023 is all about taking what we know and mixing it up. We know that when a politician is so anti-gay that that's all he focuses on. They they might have some you know sometimes they harbor homosexual <laughs> tendency that they sometimes they, sometimes they're gay and they that's how they deal with it is by being performatively so this guy is so performatively anti paying <laughs> rent that he pretends to be a landlord you gotta give it I to saw him. a tweet that know. was like Continue. that was like parroting his next list of like admissions it was like I am gay but only with myself. <laughs> <laughs> Because he was like um, also married oh. to a woman at one point, which you know, like sexuality is complicated. Yeah. That's not one that I'm really going to go in on him one, but that was just, um, it just keeps going. He he also claimed to be a seasoned Wall Street financier and investor who had worked for Goldman Sachs, but not during that time period, <laughs> I knew you were going to love this, Millie. During this time period, he was actually a customer service agent at a Dish Network call center in Queens. Iconic. Where he was Honestly, being evicted. <laughs> Honestly, to listen, I don't know who can close more, a satellite TV customer service rep or a Wall Street financier. Like, uh, let's have that industry season four <laughs> needs to be in a Dish Network customer service because those motherfuckers are closing. You will get in a three-year oh. contract that triples the amount that you and initially Sometimes wanted some to channels pay. just aren't I'm there. Just I'm sure he was very good at explaining away that. Back to his late mother. I mean, bless her. May she rest in peace. But it's very unclear how or under what circumstances she died. He has said that she was in her oh, office man. in the South Tower <laughs> on 9-11 and died of a related cancer a few years after that. But in 2021, he tweeted about the five-year anniversary of his mother's death, which would mean she died in 2016, which is, I don't think we're being nitpicky to say, more than a few years. After yeah. nine September eleventh, fifteen years. Actually. Yeah, exactly. And Girls her and obituary, Steph. I think, confirms that of the twenty the twenty sixteen date. Um, am I leaving anything out? I think he also like he didn't go to a single institution oh, that he claimed. To. Here's here's one. I put this one in the newsletter today. He's actually now under investigation in Brazil. Uh, because <laughs> because he once went to a store in Rio and paid for seven hundred dollars of merchandise with a fake check, <laughs> and oh they God. they had dropped the case. It was in like two thousand eight. They dropped the case in twenty thirteen because they couldn't find him. But now with all this stuff, they're like, hey, there's that guy. <laughs> So no. now he's in trouble. Yeah, they found him because of all of this. The Andrew so now, Tate identification method. I basically, yeah. So um, I mean, it's the entire situation is really, truly funny. And to me, like, I mean, obviously, I don't. He's being seated in Congress right now. I obviously don't think someone who lied about having ties to the Holocaust should be in Congress. But there is part of in long, yeah, from long to try Island. to basically win a majority, like a really heavily Jewish 
district. It's like, there's a reason he made up that lie. But part of me is like, did the New York Democratic Party, his opponent, did we Google not a not a thing about this man? Because he's one of the seats that like actually may have cost us the house. This was a formerly Democratic seat. Yeah. Like, shouldn't someone have looked at any of this? Don't usually like <laughs> that is what boggles. Yeah, these my two mind. have run against each other Whoa. before. And like, how did this? That's true. I don't understand how this didn't come up. Well. There's like a lot of criticism of like New York Times and other like, yeah, like politicians mm-hmm. where, it, it, you know, and media outlets too, not politicians, I'm sorry, political media of like, how can this have happened? Yep. And you guys like not looking into anything, but then anytime, you know, Kim Kardashian wipes her ass, yeah, you know, but it's just like, the, I think Michael Barbaro was like, we're not local news. No, know, come it's, on. It's, if it's just the really thing is, if it were a Democrat, they and would then, be so far up their ass, like looking for this. But I Absolutely. also so far up their ass. And then also, this is Eric Adams' fault. <laughs> I'm blaming I Eric really Adams. I really just feel like like everything. I have a lot of issues with the New York Democratic Party after this midterm. I think Kathy Hochul's been making some like whack decisions Jesus. in general. The the anti-abortion judge. Yeah, she just judge, appointed like yeah. a really conservative judge. We and also like. We lost a bunch of winnable seats in New York, and given how slim the majority is in the House, that's actually like that's actually really bad. It was basically a yeah, couple, a handful of seats across New York and California. We could have the House, and then we would actually be able to pass legislation for the next two years. New York instead, and California. Gonna, mm-hmm. Yeah, instead we're going to have this clown circus, potentially led by McCarthy, if he's able to get the votes, which we'll talk about. But I'm just it's like going to a second vote as we speak between his opponent. The New York Democratic Party, which is supposed to be here to help Democrats and just the National Democratic Party. It's a joke to me that not one they they don't Google anybody's because he lied about literally every single thing. He lied about his college, his education, his job, everything. So they looked into not one single thing about him. No. But you know why, Elise? And I've been saying it for the past three years. Democrats are playing defense. And they're not playing fucking offense. And it's fucking hurting us. It hurts us every single time. Any opponent. Every argument any about. Yeah, you got to play offense. Who we're running against should be subject to a basic freaking Google. Are you kidding? I think I it's there's it's, it's always a moment in like the political drama. It's like it's oppo research time. They did it without computers. Let's go. What happened here? What happened yeah, here? Like, Absolutely. These guys are all clowns. Degrees. Every Republican running for Congress is a clown. There's going to be something here. He said he spoke at a Goldman Sachs conference or at a, he said he spoke at a conference arranged by Anthony Scaramucci. Anthony Scaramucci says, bro was not there. And this is what I'm saying. Let him be a progressive <laughs> leftist. You know what I mean? Let him be a Democrat that's trying to, to unseat an incumbent. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! Suddenly, everybody, this and that, Nancy Pelosi showing up, all this stuff, key, 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 key. But then suddenly, oh, with the Republicans, it's like we we act like we don't know what's going on. It's like, yeah, disappointing. Yeah, and why. yeah. He says he's not committed any crimes, and for that reason, he doesn't see any reason mm-hmm. to resign <laughs> or not be seated. Like you said, I think I think they're being sworn in like throughout the day. Um, so he's yeah. either been sworn in already or will be shortly. I mean, There's I don't know no what his rule. oath his oath means. Like, imagine giving this man the oath. Like, I know, like, oh. he's, I mean, it's just funny. It, it does feel very like there's no rule that a dog can't play basketball. He's like, there's no rule that I can't just say a bunch of crazy shit and lie. lie about <laughs> the story I can't is, lie about my mom being in 9-11 and be yeah. a congressman. So You can put whatever the fuck you want on your resume. Yes, you know Excel. Yep. Yes, you know Photoshop. Yes, you know InDesign. You can do it. If this man can be sworn into Congress, you are proficient. Yeah, you, can yeah, you are proficient in every every well, program there is. <laughs> and the fact that Republicans, because if this was Democrats too, again, they would be like, oh, no. Democrats so wouldn't seat him. Un- un- Democrats him. would not seat him. Yeah, Republicans are going to seat him. But Republicans, the Republicans don't give a shit. And then Republican voters, again, especially with Donald Trump, they're more about what are what are these politicians against? They're against wokeness or whatever the fuck. And instead of like, what are they for? What is their character? Yeah, All this I have stuff. a question. I, I mean, think I know your answer to. But do you think that they would refuse to sit him if they had a bigger majority? Or do you think they would just still ignore it? 
Um, yes. They would yeah, I don't think so. I don't think they, um, they don't. That's the thing is like they don't cede any ground ever. ever. It's not about governing anyway. Right. No, no Matt Gates was under underage women. Venmo, like yeah. they don't. And yeah, they, his like, friend got less happened. time for tattling on him. And we, we still don't know why, but. I mean, like Steve King, Marjorie Taylor Greene, they've like spoken at white supremacist rallies. They just get like a slap on the wrist. Like there's there's no world in which Republicans would not seat him just because he (laughs) lied about 9-11, which is just because he lied about everything and being (laughs) in the Holocaust. Every single aspect of his resume, they're not going to. And it was up to Democrats to find that out before he won. That's fair. That's fair. But Eric, you know, we have people like Eric Adams fucking talking and about rats. crime and shit. And Eric Adams is obsessed uh, with the rats. rats and then so. Yeah, we, have, we were like, oh shit, Kathy Hochul's gonna yeah. lose. Yeah, the aim and, and she had a she had some room. The aim was a little bit was a little bit off. We will stay in Congress. The new Congress today, Congress flips to the 118th Congress, and it is a big day for Kevin McCarthy. So as we're recording, the House is taking a highly anticipated vote for the Speaker of the House. You've probably seen a lot of headlines about this in the past week. Nothing much has really changed, basically, despite giving extreme concessions to people that he hates in his own party. Kevin McCarthy may not emerge victorious here. I believe it's already gone to a second vote. What that means is that in the first round, he needed 218 people to say, yes, I want you to be speaker in order for it to happen. The House has now flipped over to the Republican majority. That has not happened, but they can still keep going. I guess the idea is that he can, you know, convince holdouts or give them more concessions or I think five of them. But if they haven't come around yet, I don't know how that they will. He has tried to offer them plush committee assignments, which they don't care about because they don't care about governing, and favorable rule changes. He literally was like, okay, normally half of y'all have to call a vote to get rid of me, but I'll make it just five of you. And then they were like, no, no, no. It's got to be just one of us. A single one of us has got to be able to mess with you. And we know who runs who runs for Congress as a Republican. The craziest motherfucker. George that Santos. You or anybody <laughs> George Santos is George the type Santos. of person. <laughs> he can be George like, Santos. I want to, I want to oust you, Kevin McCarthy, or do I? So yeah. this is um nonsense for him. And it really just he has con- he has really just like had no spine for the past several years and has said yes to so many people. And I think he's really paying for it. It's really like delicious to watch. Mm-hmm. If this doesn't I mean, I was reading up until last night and this morning that there is no path for him to get the votes to be speaker, but People can't imagine another outcome, but I don't really know how those two. I mean, it's literally happening as we speak. It'll be happening throughout the afternoon. I mean, if it takes so many times and he's still not getting there, it's a possibility that somebody like Steve Scalise may be like, "Okay, I'm going to try," but I don't know what his path is. So, yeah, it really that's seems the only other name I've heard is Steve yeah. Scalise, and this um, would be the first time in over a century where the House, the potential, the candidate for House Speaker, didn't get um, all the votes they needed in the first round. Well, I mean, again, I know we, I just like was praising Republic. We we were talking about how Republicans don't cede any, um, any power or anything like that. But like, this is the flip side of that mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. like, if you're not vetting people, if you're letting in a bunch of wild cards who aren't gonna, you know, at least fall in line the way that, you know, whatever, then this is the fucking consequence. Yeah. Is that now look at you or when you don't have any spine, when you don't have any morals, when you let everybody in, when you're not like, I guess the flip side is like maybe Democrats are too much of a purity test with every fucking thing, but no purity test. And look now, now eat shit because you were talking mad shit about Donald Trump, you know, on January 6th. And then look, you know, went around and now got on your knees and begged him to whatever that Donald Trump said. And now if I could, if I asked you to get on your knees, you would have done it. And now no one fucks with you. And that's that, that is the consequences. Actions yeah. have consequences. I mean, Kevin even McCarthy. Elise Stefanik was like nominating him this morning and it just is so lame to stand for Kevin McCarthy. It's like Kevin stands for American it's values. No, he doesn't. And I sent you like a couple weeks no, ago, they were trying to like get some support for him and his supporters made these buttons that say only Kevin. And they just say, okay. And I don't think they know how silly, how silly that looks. It's, uh, I think that okay is actually a perfect encapsulation of Kevin McCarthy, his life, his ethos. He says, okay, to anything that will get him this job that he 
he this man wants to be speaker of the house and he has been tap dancing for it and tap dancing for it for so long and you know what much like leah michelle in the end he might get there (laughs) (laughs) he might play fanny bryce on broadway but at what cost (laughs) at what cost everybody hates him (laughs) buckle fat removed and like Is yes. that what you say? For some reason, I was like, no, it's buckle. I had to, it's the buckle. New York Times said that it clarified that it's buckle. It is just so interesting to me that, like, anybody in any Democrat in the House is like, I, I, I would beg Nancy Pelosi to let me kiss her feet. I would absolutely love an opportunity to do that. And here, these people are like, this motherfucker better let any single one of us fire him at any time. Otherwise, that's the only way we're doing it. Like, it just really shows, like, when you, how you, how you build an actual, career as a partisan leader in government like she's not perfect by any means but it's personal it feels it feels like like a high school election where there's one kid who like clearly wants to be president so bad and then like the whole school just votes in the stoner because he wanted it to like the the nerd wanted it too hard like and they don't like it it feels very personal that they're like no we just don't like you Mm -hmm. and so there's like there's nothing you can really do to (laughs) change you can give us everything that we say we want and we're still not going to vote for you because we just don't like you mm-hmm. um it's related but i'll tell you a story about somebody who an, a, a micro celebrity who ran for the community board my friend lived in neve showman's building and he that that literally happened he ran for the he tried to run he ran for the board there's only there's only five spots six people ran no one voted for him <laughs> Flew too close to the sun. Yeah, absolutely. Another, another. Our final deeply unliked man for today is Andrew Tate. So I think we all know what happened last week. But to bring us back completely unprovoked, this Cretan tweeted to teen activist Greta Thunberg that he has thirty three (laughs) cars. She replied, suggesting his displays were giving a small dick energy. They were. He tweeted an insane diatribe response in like a robe with a cigar. I will say. I had never heard that man's voice. I don't know what I expected, but I expected a more charismatic yeah, like voice. Irish. I knew he had an accent, but he's just got he just sounds like a dweeb. He sounds like the obnoxious yeah, no, I he mean, just didn't have the the gravitas I was expecting for like a misogynist with millions of accolades. So just tweeted a teenager like, I've got cars. I'm like, you're not <laughs> like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Who wants to she have a planet? To you. Yeah. I, I at first, when this first broke, I was like, maybe she said something about him or about car. I didn't even think she said something about nope. him. I was like, maybe she made a statement about celebrities with cars recently. No, nope. no. She, Nothing. For ze- no reason. She, she wasn't even, even really. She's yeah. in her life. Yeah. I'm, she's like, she said like a few statements a few times about like, we really need to take care of our planet. And then everyone Every little shitty Republican asshole has took that and ran with it. But the but this is like one of those like Barbara Streisand effect where like the thing that he did was shitty, but then I didn't know any of this other stuff that you're gonna talk about. Yeah, and it's I like the Matt Gates Olivia it, so Juliana, but I didn't know it. this either. So I sort of knew him as, you know, a misogynistic internet personality that frankly we chose, I chose to ignore. And avoid. Mm-hmm. He says inflammatory mm-hmm. stuff all of the yeah. time, but like, just why let more people know who he is? Why give more oxygen to it? Exactly. Um, but obviously, you know, Greta's exactly. clapback was hard to deny, so so went pretty far. And not long after that, Andrew Tate, who's 36, was arrested with his brother Tristan in Romania as part of an investigation into human trafficking, rape, and organized crime. So, of course, the night that this happened, and people were like, "Oh, it's because of the pizza box." It was a very satisfying, funny moment. When you really read into what they're accused of, it's literally like mm-hmm. off. It's the worst of the worst. I mean, it's so. I've seen a lot of people be like, "Of course, it's a very straight line between the things that he said, saying that women who are raped are basically asking for it." But to me, it is like shocking how much he was potentially putting this into practice. So he and his brother and two Romanian associates are accused of detaining women and coercing them into mm-hmm. sexual acts. Authorities allege that the four of them formed an organization, a criminal group, that stretched from Romania to the UK to the United States just for the purpose of committing the crime of human trafficking. So they alleged that the suspects, which I guess would be Andrew and these three others, 
basically like led these victims into believing they were going to be in a romantic relationship or were going to be like kept women. And then they would make them come to Romania and later sexually exploit them with physical violence and coercion. And Tate and his brother are going to be in custody for a month. They were There was an opportunity to free them and I, the, the authorities argued against that. So they're going to be in there for a month. So this is like the worst of the worst that you can really be accused of. And yeah, I didn't know if this was already rumored, if people had suspicions of what he was doing in Romania, but oh, there are archives of his website that were out and he like very, very, very publicly, which is the thing that I found. It wasn't even that he like um, did these things. He very publicly like uh, advertised this consulting service to teach other men how to manipulate younger women um like he he has this whole like study about yeah. it like like I, i'm you know i'm gonna send you know but it's just like i can get you a like a phd program and then how to manipulate these women like first and then it's literally like uh straight from the groomer textbook of like date some girls date a few make them happy tell them you love them and then get them to start sleeping or getting on getting on doing cam work and then get them to start sleeping with people keep all the money that's what he's saying he's like i keep all the money my girls yeah. work for me all this stuff and it's just like there's nothing revolutionary yeah. i guess the only thing that's revolutionary about this to me is like again me too i thought that he was just this guy who says stupid shit on his stupid podcast but then seeing that he actually like brags about harmful like practices and sex work and like basically being a pimp and abusing and manipulating young women uh is yeah. really crazy it's, that was the thing yeah, just to show that those attitudes lead directly to that treatment yeah and he's been putting what's what's also really disturbing is like you know even just knowing him as like a guy who built his platform on misogyny seeing he has such a large platform that's disturbing but he's actually as like what Millie was saying and i learned this from some tiktok roundups but he's been openly promoting how to do the like harming women and basically giving a blueprint to men who listen to him on how to coerce young women mm -hmm. into these types of situations and he has said publicly that the reason he is in Romania is because their rape and sexual assault laws are more lax than where he was. And that is something that mm -hmm. he has fully God. said. So it's very. And they still uh, are like, no, fuck you. you you're too dangerous. Yeah, and he to still got his ass arrested. Yeah. So well, they're not as lax as he thought. <laughs> you know, well, and like probably they are more lax for like date rape or something, but trafficking hundreds yeah. of girls. And reportedly one of them was an American and that, that could have been how um it, it got it got prosecuted so fast. The woman that's in charge of like the terrorist, like the the authorities there told I think the Guardian, she was like, it wasn't because of the pizza box, but like I think I think it was because of the pizza box. <laughs> like I could just see Olivia Benson let's, like let's at SVU the meeting, like game. it wasn't because of the pizza box, but like really it was. It, the pizza box helped. It was. I choose mm -hmm. to believe it was the pizza box. Me too. You know, I was listening to um this podcast and where, where lundy bancroft the guy who may uh wrote the book why does he do that inside the minds of abusive and controlling okay. men and and like yeah like basically he started this program for domestic abusers and all this stuff i know right like why am i this is like my good night <laughs> listen podcast but um it was really interesting though because um, he did this whole thing about which, you know, it really made me, uh, reframe a lot. And especially with this Andrew Tate story. And it's not necessarily like, I think people, like people who are d domestic abusers and all this stuff, it's not, there's just not this strong correlation of people who are traumatized or have been abused themselves. Like that's not a big indicator. The indicator is societal attitudes towards women. And these men feel entitled. And they feel like uh, when there's a gap between what they're, they feel like they expect, then they feel like they can, they have the power to enforce. And it's what other people in society are also, you know, that is why it's harder for a woman to leave. It's not because this guy's so powerful. It's because people are like, well, what did you do to make him mad and all this stuff. And thinking about that in the context of Andrew Tate, and it's like, he is clearly an abuser, but it's also, there are these softer examples of society supporting this. And yeah. 
like that's not about him talking about his trauma. He really does believe women are less and women, this is, you know, women are, should be giving their, their profits of sex work and cam work and submission and all that toxic shit. He does believe that. And that's why he does the things that he does. So it's just been interesting to, to hear these conversations about like, should we be platforming these people or like does deplatforming work and all that. And it's just like, uh, you know, it's not like giving these people a voice or like they're not open. They they really believe these things and the algorithms are reinforcing these things for them. Mm-hmm. So I don't that know. does bring us to it's time for us to deliver on our promise to fuck, Mary and banish. All right. Mm-hmm. Elise Morales, fuck, Mary banish. This one's really hard. Andrew Tate, George Santos and Kevin McCarthy. OK, so immediately banish Andrew Tate, banish to jail, mm-hmm. jail. <laughs> this is really one where it, d- it wouldn't feel too harsh to do fuck Mary kill. I will say, yeah, like, but you know, yeah, we're gonna be banish. we're gonna be soft, gentle ladies about it. Banish Andrew Tate. I'll Got go it. carceral mm-hmm. with it. Banish to jail. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. <laughs> now I am. Mm. The next two are tough, but here's what I'm gonna say. I think I'm gonna marry Kevin McCarthy because he will clearly mm-hmm. do anything you ask him to do. <laughs> um, he has no spine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to marry mm-hmm. him, no prenup, and then take him for everything he's fucking worth. Yeah. Um, California, which, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I'll take the house. I'll take, I'm, I'm coming, I'm coming for all of it, baby. So <laughs> have fun with that, Kevin. Um, <laughs> all and right. I am, I am going to fuck George Santos. To try Santos. to fuck George Santos. I'm going to fuck George Santos and mm-hmm. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do my own I'll consider it a personal investigation into whether or not he's really gay. <laughs> yeah. And listen, when he tells when he tells anybody, you just say he's lying. You just yeah, say that's he's the lying. Other, that's the truth. Yeah. yeah. So if, George Sam- if he's like, oh my God, I had sex with Elise Morales, I'd be like, what? <laughs> Crazy lie. Liar. Yeah, what? Not me. Um, so yeah, I, it'll be an investigative sexual experience with George Santos. Mary Kevin McCarthy, banish Andrew Tate. Um, does that sync with your choices, Millie, or do you have a, are you going to vary this a bit? Mm-hmm. Totally. No, that's totally exactly what I would do. Be, again, because of now we know abusers, they're not like they don't, there's no reform. You have to just buy Andrew Tate. Kevin McCarthy does seem like I could do whatever. <laughs> George Santos, I would say not even I would lie. I'm just also like, we all need that one guy that's so crazy. Like, and we have all these f- stories about like, oh my God, I slept with this guy one time. He told me he went to Harvard. He went to DeVry, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah. And I also feel like George Santos, he's a liar. He would be really cool. He'd be really fu- Like, he'd be a fun time. The highs would be high. The lows are be absolutely yeah. amazing. And, and yeah, there's no reason to marry him. He's got nothing. You're just going to inherit no, his. He's definitely no, got no, some no, debt. No, yeah, that's the thing is like if you marry him, then your problems and his his problems yeah. become your problems. You're paying you his Brazilian debt and nobody's exactly. you nobody have to be, It has to just be a wild 24 hours with George Santos. <laughs> Perfect. Yep. Before sunset. <laughs> uh. Before sunset part. <laughs> we all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home-cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy, or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash feverdream. That's homechef.com slash feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash feverdream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. 
But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. All right. Feels good to be back. Now for a very necessary palate cleanser. We have a woman making history in Congress. Patty Murray is a senator from Washington who was that state's first female senator in 1993. 30 years later, she's making history again as the first woman in history to become the Senate president pro tempore. I got to chat with her about that moment and her career a bit this morning. Let's listen. Now I am back here with Senator Patty Murray. She is the senator from Washington, having just won re-election to her sixth term and will make history later today as the first female president pro tem of the Senate. Congratulations are in order. Big day on the Hill for lots of people, but we're hyped about what's happening with you today. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It's an exciting moment. Yes, so exciting. So you're about to assume this role. And again, like I mentioned, I'll make you the first woman in U.S. history to hold that position. This isn't your first time making history. In 1993, you became Washington's first female senator. I mean, I just wonder what you feel, you know, looking back, reflecting on the past 30 years, you know, what what advice would you give yourself 30 years ago? What does this moment mean when you reflect on that that day in 1993 when you first made history? Well, Amanda, you know, I never thought I would be in a position like this when I was growing up and uh, starting my career out. I I really got into politics because I got mad about what was happening in my community, uh, about a state legislator, legislature that wasn't funding preschool programs and things that I thought was important. And that, that's when I decided, you know, I have a part in this. I have a role. I need to be a part of this and use my voice and my fight to make a difference and here I am 30 years later. Um, you know, when I first started out here in the Senate 30 years ago, um, I remember that I thought it was so important to remember who I was here for and to fight for them and the things they cared about. And I was just a mom. I mean, I was called just a mom in tennis shoes. Right, here right. I, here I am 30 years later, and I'm a grandma now, but I'm still in tennis shoes. And I still think about those people who I'm here to represent every day and fight for and make sure our country works for them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I want to talk some of about some of those issues you prioritize and we'll continue to, but I'm also curious, you know, how has the experience of being a woman in the Senate changed over the last three decades? Is there anything that stands out to you other than, you know, the bathroom line being longer, as people say? Well, yeah, I, you know, when I first <laughs> came into the Senate before I was here, there were only two women in the Senate. Wow. The year I was elected, there were six of us. Um, Today, we're 25. We are not half yet. We're just a quarter of the Senate. But things have changed. Obviously, when I first came in, there wasn't even a women's bathroom next to the Senate floor. We had to go to another floor. Um, Now we've had to expand it a couple of times for women who are coming in. (laughs) That's progress. But I think, you know, when I first came in, um, men were in the Senate were just like, oh, my God, what are they going to say? What are they going to do? Um, I think more and more we are um, accepted as part of the voices that are needed to make policy in this country and are listened to, um, obviously, for the perspective that we bring. So what does a Democratic Senate majority look like, if, you know, after tomorrow with Republicans in control of the House? Can you sort of take us through, you know, what what our listeners are going to be seeing from the political news cycle and, and uh, how to process that? Well, I, you know, you go into every Congress knowing that it's going to be different than the last yeah. or any other you've experienced. But remember, Congress is people. So who they are, how they present themselves, what they fight for is always different. I've been in the Senate when we were in the majority um, with a lot of members. I've been in the minority. I've been twice now where we're 50 50, um, wow. where we've had, you know, a Democratic majority in both both the minority and both. Every time is different. Here mm-hmm. we are, this Congress uh, with a Senate majority of Democrats and a House Republican Congress. 
I believe in the Senate that Democrats will use their voices to fight for the issues we have been fighting for, for things I think are important, like childcare for families, like making sure healthcare is working, making sure that we fight for women's rights and the right for people to vote. I expect that the House Republicans will not share some of those priorities and will um, be here to do other things. But in a Congress, just like in a family, you bring your perspectives forward and fight for what you believe in or fight against what you see coming at you and do what you can do to accomplish things. And I expect that that's what, what will happen in this Congress in a tug of war that we yet to know what it's going to look like. Yeah, yeah. Can you discuss some of the reproductive rights related legislation you and your colleagues introduced recently? You've really been on the forefront of that. What is the fate of some of those efforts? You know, we have the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act, which was successful, and then some amazing things you introduced with colleagues like Tammy Duckworth towards the end of the year. Can you sort of take us through, you know, what, what's the fate of those efforts right now? Well, we are really in an unprecedented time after Roe v. Wade was overturned and we are seeing states across our country aggressively go after women's rights. Um, it is a time where all of us have to know that first and foremost, we have to fight for women's rights. We need to vote for women's rights. We need to stand up and speak out loud. This can't be the after conversation. It has to be the first conversation of how we are protecting women's rights and to fight back against any attempts to take that away and to speak out about it. I mean, the more people people across the country know how women are being impacted, the better chance we have of winning in the future, which to me is to enact Roe v. Wade into law in this country for every single woman in this country, no matter where they live. Well, in this Congress, we are likely to see a Republican House who does everything they can to erode those rights. And we have to say in the Senate, we will stand firm. Those will not pass. Mm -hmm. But we also have to talk to people about what this means. Tammy Duckworth and I have introduced legislation to protect IVF. And people would say, well, why do that? Well, I'll tell you why. Because the next step for many of these members who are anti-choice congressmen and senators um, is to take away IVF procedures. And we have to speak up right now and say, this is at risk. We're going to protect it so that the country knows about that and Mm -hmm. backs us. And it's a visible fight. And people know if they do try to take that away, there's going to be an effort against them. So it's important to have pieces of legislation and to speak out about them and to explain them so people know what the fight is about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's so important to mention because I, as long as it's something that people are constantly talking about as front of mind, you will have states like Kentucky and Montana and those voters be aware of what's happening and, and vote against what a lot of their national lawmakers uh, claim to want to do. So I definitely take that to heart. We need to constantly be talking about this. It's, it's, it's so odd to think that Roe only fell six months ago and how much has changed in that time. It's incredible. Women's lives are in danger. People are being harmed in ways that a lot of people don't know. You know, I I remember talking to a young woman from Texas where this law, um, taking away women's right to choose, has been in effect for almost a year, I believe, um, who lived through a pregnancy, was denied an abortion and the impact on her. And I asked her if I could tell her story out loud. And she said, you know what? In my state, if I talk about Mm -hmm. it or people know about it, I can get arrested. I mean, so we have to be their voices. Yeah. We cannot let them be silenced. As you mentioned, you know, you and your colleagues are going to be hard at work, but there will be a lot of, you know, frustrating moments in this Congress. But as President Pro Tem, you're in charge of a lot of processes that have to get done kind of no matter what. Can you talk us through some of the, the new things on your to-do list with this new huge role? Well, obviously, I'm really excited to be in this new role. No woman has ever been president pro tem before. So there's a lot of ministerial duties. I'll be signing bills that are passed. So someday in the future, some child will see in a museum. My signature, yeah. which is kind of weird to think about, yeah. but uh, but th- that's you know that's um, that's an important role because yeah. you are the signatory. You are saying this is what the Senate stands for. There's other ministerial duties. I oversee the Senate in the absence of the Vice President, which mm-hmm. is most of the time. I can appoint someone to fill in for me, but it is a role that is serious. And of course, I'm third in line to the presidency, so um, I have to be aware and responding to all issues of the day and keep myself really informed, um, you know, for whatever reason that could happen. And we all hope it wouldn't, but I have to be prepared for that. Um, And I take that responsibility seriously. 
That was my next question. What it's like to be third in line for the presidency. Do you like drive a little more carefully? I would be using it to avoid everything. Like you want to go for a hike? I'd be like, sorry, honey, it's 20 degrees and I'm third in line for the presidency. I I would never change my life for that. You know, I, I am involved in a lot. I love going hiking. I love going fishing. I love, you know, being a senator from Washington. Um, And I will continue to be that. Uh, Obviously, it's the side of me that has to be aware of issues, keep myself up to date, be very clear on what is going on around the country and the globe. And um, it's I'm, I'm excited about that. You know, one of the great things about being a senator is you learn something new every day, every year, every month. Um, And that to me is a challenge I love. Um, finally, since we have a few extra minutes, you know, you're making history today and a woman who also made history, you know, will be, will be stepping down for her role. Um, what do you, what do you think it will be like to work in a Senate where, you know, Nancy Pelosi isn't leading the Democrats? Obviously we're thrilled to see what Congressman Jeffries gets up to, but wondering your thoughts on this, that transition as well. Well, uh, you know, obviously she is, was an amazing speaker. Um, and her, her, just her capability of bringing people together, voicing what people believe, um, managing to keep a large number of members together to pass historic legislation over so many years um, it is so impressive. And of course, she still will be a member of Congress. I'm sure she will still be listened to. But I think what she has really left it, us all with is the legacy and understanding that women can, with determination and belief, accomplish amazing things. And I want every young girl in this country to realize that they can do that too. If I can be president pro tem, um, if Nancy Pelosi can be speaker of the house, you can be who you wanna be. It takes work, it takes diligence, it takes belief in yourself. It takes the ability to say to people who tell you you can't do something, but you can achieve a lot of things and do good and leave a legacy that is amazing. Yeah, that's a perfect place to end on. Thank you so much, Senator Murray. It was a privilege to talk to you today. I hope you're able to find some time to celebrate later on. Well, thank you. Thanks for listening. Until the end of Democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman, and this is the Betches Up Podcast. The Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Sousmacat. Editing by Rebecca Sousmacat. Social media by Amanda Duberman and Bridget Swartz. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails at suppod at betches.com. Betches.